to It's Just My Thoughts, and I'm your host, Mika Reeves. And today, I actually have a special guest in the building. It's my dear friend, as well as she has a podcast called In the Car. So I have Shantae Jackson-Brown here today. Say hey, Shantae. Hi, guys. How you doing? All right. So what have I been up to this week? Really nothing. I went down um, to the next city over, and we had a, a beautiful home going for my grandma, and so... Um, I really wanted to kind of start the new year with some revampment for the show. So I wanted to go over that real fast. So I wanted to start this last week, but last week I kind of went into that episode talking about my grandma and what I had going on. So now with um, the real start of my year, I wanted to kind of go over some things that I wanted to do with you. So this year I wanted to introduce a new segment called Motivational Mondays. Usually how we usually would do things. I started with the black excellence. I would go over some hot topics. Usually I'll end with the thought of the week, which we're sending around uh, mental health focus uh, for the most part. So today I wanted to introduce motivational Mondays. And so how we're going to do it now, we're going to go into um, the start and then we're going to start with motivational Mondays because when the podcast comes out, that's usually on a Monday and then we'll go into the show as regular. Um, So today, starting off the first Motivational Monday, Tina Lifford, she wrote a book called Little Book of Big Lies, and there were exercises, and it's it's a really good book, actually. Um, She writes at the beginning, but then throughout the book, she has different exercises for just mental health fitness. And so at the beginning, she has an exercise that I wanted to use for today, so feel free to write it down. So with the exercise she has, where you put up until now, and then there's a blank, and that's where you can say something that you want to change about yourself. It could be something negative. It could be anything that you want to work on. And then you write, but from this point forward, and that's what you're going to change or what you're going to do better. So that's a good exercise that you can write down. You can have it in your office or somewhere that you can look at it every single day. Um, So I think that's a good focus and a good motivational Monday. And this is how it's kind of going to go going forward with this segment. You can always hit me up and let me know whether or not you like this new segment or any changes that you want to see to the show for the new year, and I definitely would take that in consideration. So let's just jump into the Black Excellence. My Black Excellence for the week goes to Serena Williams. She entered her title drought with a singles win at the ASB Classic. So we know that Serena has been chasing the record for the past three, well, two and a half years now. Um, She hasn't won a title since the Australian Open in 2017, and we've seen Serena kind of struggle with up and downs and not closing out finals. So I'm hoping with this win, Serena's gotten the monkey off of her back. And I'm a huge Serena fan, so, you know, we're all rooting for you. So she's my Black Excellence for the week. So now I'm going to jump into the hot topics. And Shantae is actually going to co-host with me for the rest of the episode. So we're going to go through hot topics together. Uh, let's see. Okay, so this week we saw that they announced that the at the Grammys this year on January 28th, they're going to give a tribute to Prince. And Alicia Keys will be hosting the Grammys for another year. And I really enjoyed last year. I thought Alicia Keys did a really good job. Shantae, what do you think about uh, who they're having performing for the Prince tribute? Well, after reading this article, I think it's going to be great. I mean, you have Usher, you have Earth, Wind & Fire, Her, John Legend. I think when you are paying tribute to somebody that is iconic as Prince, you got to have a great lineup. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. So I don't really think they're going to mess it up because Alicia Keys, she really didn't uh, do a bad job last year, and she paid a lot of tributes last year. But also I think Sheila E. has her hand with some of the – with I think being a musical director with this tribute. So I think it's going to be um, – I think it's going to be decent. I think it's going to be good. 
Uh, let's see, another hot topic. And this is actually, I'm going to kind of look over the article too. Um, Netflix announced that they are doing a uh, Madam C.J. Walker um, Netflix special. It's a four-part special called Self Made. And um, did you look that up? So let's talk about this. When uh, my good friend here sent me like the hot topics and she told me that Self Made was going to be one of the things that we would we would be discussing i was like oh great so i'm i'm on netflix i'm scrolling thinking i'm about to watch this documentary <laughs> to be highly disappointed to find out that it does not premiere until march but when you think about black women and the the hair care industry the beauty industry we invest in that so heavily so i am ready to see what this um documentary has to say about madam cj walker um hair in the black community is is a very very hot topic and it's something that's discussed almost daily on all social media platforms i think this project is going to be interesting too because of just the people that's in it um blair underwood he's going to play her husband um octavia spencer is going to play madam cj walker and um Tiffany Haddish is going to play her daughter. Now, I was a little nervous when I saw Tiffany Haddish going to play her daughter, but I think that Tiffany... Do you think Tiffany Haddish can play a series role? I think she can, and I think um, as a fan that I am supportive, I want to see her rise to the occasion. I'm sure that that lady has some depth to her as far as her acting, and we need to be open to, to seeing that from her. We can't always continue to put her in a box she's done great with what she does on screen and i'm hoping she's gonna knock it out the park i agree and so this will debut on march 20th 2020 so i'm actually looking forward to that and i'm a big octavia spencer fan so i was really excited when i saw this the next hot top i wanted to go on to is uh amanda seals was announced as the new official co-host of the real amanda is the first co-host since the departure of tamar and I haven't watched it yet. I think she started at the beginning of January. But I definitely think that Amanda will shake things up. I have a love-hate relationship with uh, Amanda Seals. And I was talking to Shantae before this about how she felt about Amanda. And I want her to give her opinion on what she thinks. So I like Amanda. I follow her on Instagram. And I also, when I have time, listen to her podcast, Small Doses. So shout out to Amanda Seals. I watched a small clip of them introducing her as a permanent co-host and then I went back and watched some clips um of some previous episodes where she's been guest hosting and I think she will be a good fit for this for this dynamic of women because she's gonna bring a uh, an awareness she's very conscious if you follow her and listen to her she's going to give you the real and that's the name of the show so who better than to do it than her I think that she's going to definitely do that. I think she's going to shake things up. But what I wonder is, uh, with, when it comes to her, is um, how well will she get along with the other co-hosts? Because Amanda Seals has a way of, like, I've watched her a few interviews with her on Breakfast Club where she's basically been in tears about how she's kind of misunderstood. And maybe she is. Like, you know, like I said, I have a love-hate relationship because I want to see her win. So I do support her. I watched her special. And, you know, I follow her on social media and all those things and listen to her podcast as well. But... Amanda still sometimes can just, I don't know. It's almost sometimes I feel like she really wants to let you know that she's smart. 
You, you 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 understand what I'm saying by that? Like, how long has she been guest hosting? She was in and out guest hosting for like the last part of it. So somewhere in this guest hosting situation, the people who produce this show, and probably in the women that's on there, somebody must have sat down and said, "Look, we think you are going to be a great fit." And she spoke briefly about, I think hanging out with those women outside of work and that can be important when you're on a show with somebody you want those dynamics to really mesh well it can be difficult when you're talking about a you know putting women together just in general sometimes we we can clash but I think they are very aware of what she brings to the table and how she's going to be a good fit for the show I think she's going to be fine I got your back girl okay you heard it here all right, so the next hot topic, this is one thing I want to talk about. And this is kind of off subject, but I'm just going to tell you the background, what's going on. So I wanted to talk about Harvey Weinstein for a moment. And he was charged with uh, sex crimes in L.A. He still has a trial in New York coming. But the question that I really have, though, is I'm just trying to understand why is Harvey Weinstein all fucked up walking in there on that walker? You know, like, I mean, I was watching the other day when he was leaving court and they were literally holding him up, sliding him out of the courthouse. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, what, 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 what happened, though? Like, why is he (laughs) fucked up like that? Like, what? No, like, seriously, what happened? Is Harvey faking it, y'all? Or is something really wrong? Because I've never heard anything being wrong. And ever since he's been in court for this stuff, he has all these elements and now he can't even walk into the courthouse. And I'm just trying to figure out, well, well, what, what happened? Because he's out on bail. Is he out on bail? He's out on bail, so he's at home. So what happened at home? I don't keep up with a lot of the hot topics that my friend here keeps up with, but I definitely think that might be a tactic to kind of, what's the word? Make people feel sorry for you? Yeah, kind of play on people's empathy for the man. I mean, he's, he's very old. How old is he? I have no idea. He's up there, though. I'm not, and so I definitely feel like this is probably something that... Um, his defense has told him, hey, let's really milk this. I don't know. I'm just giving y'all my personal He's only 67. Opinion. To be walking in there and sliding with that walker is crazy to me. I, I'm like, I don't know. He's 67. But look at this. Look at this picture right here. What that's is, my, that's what my is two happening? Cents, and I'm definitely sticking with it. I, I think it's just a part of the image that they want to portray and maybe trying to get some leniency for the the crimes that he's being charged with. I agree. Okay, so I did want to end um, the hot topics on a on a light note. So y'all, this week we saw Bootsy um, wearing a Kappa Kappa Alpha Psi um, fraternity um, sweatshirt at the basketball game, and then you know the social media has just gone crazy. Um, now, me and Shantae, we are members of um, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated, and so. I think my thoughts towards this is a little different because I've been reading everybody's thoughts towards it in regards to, you know, how they feel. So I want to interject for just a second. I think the people need some background if they are not Greek. So SG Row and Kappa Alpha Psi, we are, we're we're kind of like brother and sister only because we were both found in the same place. So we have what's called indie love indiana love for each other and so i just needed to put that out there for the people who may not be familiar with um d9 black greek letter organizations okay so thank you for that and so my thing was um 
I found this to be absolutely hilarious. Um, now, if if this was now, I'm, I'm going to say this being on a for real standpoint before I get into the funny. If this was me and I saw a random person wearing a Eshiro sweater, I would be upset as well, right? But um, he's really first when okay when he first wore a sweatshirt, he um, he came back on social media and was like, I don't give a fuck, I'm going to wear it, right? It was red, I t- I liked it. He and I'm going to wear Rockets game. Yeah. And he was like, that he was going to wear it. So then, you know, he did come out later and kind of apologize and try to make light of it saying he wanted the Kappas to teach him how to shimmy. But, um, and some people kind of took light of it, but how, how, how do you think you would have reacted to it? I'm not bothered. The real, the real point of all this is who going to check him? Like seriously. So I went, I went to IG I read the comments. A lot of people were distraught. I mean, a lot of capitals, excuse me. Um, but at the end of the day, and even Greek shenanigans asked him politely, like, who are they supposed to be? Sorry. To take down the post and to take off the shirt. But really, who is going to check this guy? And somewhere um, on the video, he did comment about who you really need to be checking is these vendors. And so I, I had a talk, and it brought up a discussion with a good friend of mine who was also a part of a deny organization about was there ever a point in time where there was some type of protocol for buying Nelia because how do you know if a person is Greek or not and then what do you do when somebody is at a store or, or talking to a vendor and I'm trying to buy somebody a gift so how does that really work it's hard to police those type of things and then you can buy stuff on the internet now so that's the that's the same deal with like Nephi. Remember she had on the pink and green 08 Jeezy, <laughs> but she really didn't know. Right. She was just being styled. Right. A lot of people or some celebrities are really out here, um, and, and that's just not a part of their world, and they really know nothing about being Greek. But going back to Bootsy, <laughs> he knew what it was. He hashtagged in the video, Kappa Fresh. So I'm trying with you, Bootsy. I know ain't nobody going to be able to check you. Just don't wear these people stuff no more. You know, folks get real sensitive about that because there's a history and a legacy that comes with that. And it's something that has to be earned, period. Yeah, I agree. And when people were commenting, it, I just could tell that it was kind of a level of, you know, I'm going to say ignorance there because um, being part of a Greek organization is a lifestyle and it's a part of your, you know, every day. And so, you know, if I, if I saw, I, if I saw somebody randomly, um, you know, putting on an extra sweater or something like that, I would feel a way about it, you know, and then kind of taking light of it. But when so many people are like, it's not a big deal, it doesn't matter. I think when you start making it seem like things doesn't matter, it kind of takes away from the exclusivity of, you know, the organization and the, and the fact that you worked hard to earn these letters in whatever way that you earned them. So I do think it matter. I'm unbothered because there's nothing that we personally can no, do yeah, about No, yeah, I agree it. to that. I agree with that. But if I seen somebody with something on, first of all, I have to establish whether or not they're Greek, right? So if, if we come to the conclusion that you are not, I'm all about educating people. I'm, I'm not just going to run up on somebody and rip something off of them that doesn't belong to them. Some people just really need to be educated about, mm-hmm. like you said, the history behind it, how important it is to us and what that stands for. And you may get a little further with, with folks. I agree. Um, but people do be, um, they do uh, be serious about it. And I have seen some fake Greeks out here 
Siri out here trying to damn. I don't know what that was. She wants to. I know Siri was trying to comment just now, but I have seen some fake Greeks get shit snatched off in college. I, I have seen that actually. So, but no one's gonna do that to Boosie. But I thought I, I died though. This whole this whole weekend. And then last night, I think he tweeted. Um, when I think they were talking about him shimmy, and he tweeted and he said, "I finally got it." <laughs> So, look, there probably needs to be some protocol in place because there's also a, a, um, a picture of a, a white lady that's been circulating for a minute, way before Bootsy came along, and she has on an Omega Sci-Fi shirt. So, how do you even um, get rid of old paraphernalia that you no longer want? What are you supposed to do with that? So, because somebody made the comment you're supposed that... To, no, you're supposed to, um, I think, just like cut it up and discard it. Because some people were um, donating, like they'll have it in Goodwill, and then you, you see people from Goodwill walking around, you know, homeless walking around mm-hmm. with your Greek letters on. Like you're supposed to either um, pass it down to somebody else, or you're supposed to dispose of it yourself. Apparently, that's where the lady found it from. At least I know now. So I just got to cut my stuff up, huh? <laughs> yeah, if it's I guess if it's old stuff that you don't plan on using anymore or something like that, or given to somebody younger, like a, a little sister or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on this next part, I wanted to actually go over um, a, a article that I came across um, last week. Um, it's been all over the news as well, but I wanted to wait until um, I had Shantae here because she's actually going to help me with the thought of the week subject, um, which is centered around um, youth suicide. So last week, well, I think it's been two weeks now, um, we saw the story of Browse Gowdy, who was 17, who committed suicide by stepping in front of a freight train. He was Georgia Tech's star um, recruit, and he went to Georgia Tech early um, to start his freshman year. So he went, um, he was an early signee, so he went into um, this past fall semester starting at Georgia Tech. Um, Superstar athlete, and so the main thing has been centered around his mom posted a video. I think Shantae was telling me how she had watched the video, and it was really hard for her to kind of get through it, but... Um, what shook me with this with this situation was the fact that, well, it was the way that he killed himself, you know, um, which is very gruesome to step in front of a freight train, as well as the fact that um, I feel like no one really. OK, when I was reading another article and I was listening to, I think, the dad talk, he was saying that he was telling his son that he just needed to push through, even though they knew he was struggling with his mental health. And they said that he was going through a really dark time and how he was just really in a different headspace. And um, I feel like no one, you know, stepped up and was and really, you know, thought to seek maybe some extra um, therapy or talk to somebody about it. Instead, like the dad was just saying, he was telling him to push through and telling him to push through. But it's kind of hard to do that, you know, especially, um, you know, as a teenager and things like that. And so it made me wonder and think about, like, you know, how it's been such an increase in youth suicide. And so I was reading this article as well. And um, there was a statement at the end that I wanted to um, read. So it says, there's never a single crisis or a factor that leads to suicide, experts say. Bryce's struggle with mental health likely was exasperated by his family's financial setbacks and housing situation, erecting a barrier to mental health counseling, Mr. Bober said. With children, you need to find a Medicaid provider. And when you do find one, often there's a long waiting list. It could take months to be seen. Mr. Bober said, if there's a mental health issue and the family is not of means, it's very difficult to get treatment for the child. And so that led me to think about um, 
this situation as well because I think the mom has uh, he has other siblings I think it's younger children in the house and they became homeless and so he was really stressed out with how he was going to care for his family Um, and that was a lot of the issue as well and strain that was put on him because he wanted to basically help his mom in the situation because I think before he came into school weren't they living in a car or they were in a homeless shelter I think they just got a homeless shelter according to her video they were living in the car she was in and out of hotels but at that particular time leading up to um his death they were in a hotel yeah so this is a very very sad story um I'll put the link in the in the comments field if you want to just sit and read the article in regards to it if you haven't seen it but um that led me to this week's conversation of things that I wanted to kind of talk about. And I have this, um, I have a few statistics here as well. And, um, so what I have is every two hours and 11 minutes, a person under the age of 25 dies by suicide. Suicide is the third leading cause of deaths for the, for the youth aged 10 to 24 resulting in over 4,600 deaths per year. One in seven high school students have considered suicide within the past school year. One in 14 high school students have attempted suicide within the past school year. 90% of people who die by suicide have diagnosable and treatable psychiatric disorder at the time of their death. And when I was looking up some, some statistics on this, I just thought it was just, I was just wow. Because I also was reading something saying like in the last couple of years, this increase has been, I think the highest it's ever been as far as like, you know, youth suicide and the numbers in it. Um, I have my thoughts towards it that I'm going to share later as we get into this interview. But um, I also want to bring Shantae here so she can kind of give some of her thoughts. So this is more of her, um, her area of expertise. So um, I wanted Shantae to step on and just kind of give an introduction of, you know, who she is. I gave a brief one earlier, but who she really is and um, and what she has going on. Okay, guys. So I am a local licensed mental health therapist, and I'm also a licensed school counselor. My particular area of expertise is working with children. So I'm at the elementary level. Um, I also have a part-time private practice. And I work with kids ages 5 to 13. But this year I will be making some changes. And I'll be opening my age range um, up to kids age 17. And so this is something that I do daily. So where would you like to start? What is it that you would like for the people to know? Well, I first wanted to just, before we get into all the other stuff, I wanted to also you say what made you want to work with kids. So I've been working with kids for a long time now. I'll say maybe since 2006. Um, And so in the time that I've practiced, um, I've worked with adults and I just find kids to be, they need advocates, right? Kids don't really get a lot of say in things. Sometimes kids are misunderstood they have trouble expressing themselves and overall i'm kind of a big kid myself and so the work that i do is something that i enjoy because i remember how it feels to be a child i remember wanting to challenge and question things when it came to things my mother asked me to do and i remember um just 
not having the best childhood. It was it wasn't bad, but the things that I used to cope and to deal with the situations that I had going on in my home, but I didn't have a counselor. I don't remember um the school counselor and I definitely wasn't talking to a therapist. So just being that person for these kids that nobody was for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because from that standpoint, because I think I've talked about it before on here and my mom didn't give a fuck about our mental health. I mean, being completely honest. And I think that she, um, it wasn't even that she didn't, I shouldn't say she didn't give a fuck. Sorry, mom. But I think she didn't have the, the education to understand that. And so she was more of a disciplinarian, you know, parent where it was like, you know, you do what I say. You don't ask any questions. This is what it is. And so you didn't have any room. I felt like I didn't have any room to really even consider another angle because I didn't have no choice but to do what she wanted me to do. And looking back on it, you know, with some of the stresses that, you know, we had, like definitely, you know, having someone to talk to and things like that would have been um, something that I feel like would have been beneficial. But then on the flip side of that, we were always taught that you don't speak on your household in the street. Like you don't say what's going on. You don't really talk about those things. And so for me, like I struggle with my mental health, excuse me, definitely going into even my adult um, life because I was very, just always really private in regards to things that I felt or things that I had going on, especially when you consider, um, you know, family. And so even now when I talk to my mom about going to therapy and all that, she just finds it to be the funniest thing in the world that I go to therapy because she just, she, she's in a generation that just, you know, they didn't really talk about those things and they weren't really as trusting when it came to, you know, doctors and things like that. So, um, I don't know if that's, you know, an increase, a reason for the increase, which goes into my next question for Shantae. But, um, so what do you think, Why do you think there's been an increase in recent years in childhood suicide? For one, we have a generation that is embedded and engulfed in social media. Mm -hmm. Let's think about when we were kids. That wasn't a thing. And so when you're talking about just let's, let's just go through some of the causes that really the statistics you gave were for teenage suicide rates but I want people to know that childhood suicide rates are on the rise and we're talking about ages 10 to 14 so as an elementary school counselor I have to do sometimes what's called a suicide interview and at the elementary level that's huge so you already have um young kids fourth fifth grade third graders who are making statements about wanting to harm themselves. But let's get into why there has been such an increase. So some of the some of the causes that can lead a, a, a kid to have like suicidal ideations, which is the thoughts of wanting to hurt themselves or harm themselves, but also that could lead into actually um, committing the act is you have the LGBT youth. You know, that is something that is very big and people are still out here struggling to accept those things when it comes to young people. You have depression. You know, kids do go through things. I think adults forget that kids are human too. So depression, anxiety, uh, substance abuse, low self-esteem. You have kids out here who want to be perfect and they're struggling to be perfectionists. Uh, if there's a history of abuse, abuse maybe physical, emotional, um, mental. 
And then some kids just have academic struggles. Um, grades are low. Um, just struggling in multiple classes. And then the biggest thing out here is the bullying. So you have bullying in person. And then you have the cyber bullying. And I talk to my students a lot. And they keep me up to date on what's going on. So parents, if you're listening, Roblox, Fortnite, TikTok, WhatsApp. I think that's what it's called. It's like an app where you can text each other. WhatsApp app or something. WhatsApp app. So these kids are on these varying platforms. Snapchat. Snapchat, um, Instagram. I had a student show me. I seen it with my own eyes, a picture that he posted and another little kid commented about him being gay. So they're constantly getting it um, in person, in school, but also outside of school. And so I think, at least in my personal professional opinion, that's why you have seen an increase just in the attempts. But just in, in, in mental health issues in general, these are the, the things that our students, our, our kids are dealing with. I agree. And like, my thing is, you know, we're in, in my household, we're raising a 17 year old and we didn't let him get social media until he was in high school. And he just got Instagram his sophomore year last year. And then on top of that, you know, which I'm sure he probably hates, but we were like, you need to run them passwords. You need to run that login. You know, and we periodically check to make sure we can still get in because I want you to know that we, we, we in here. And then when it comes to, and then we follow him as well. Like we follow him on every single um, social media outlook but, um, platform, but we had to have conversations in our house in regards to, um, you know, just not getting wrapped up in this stuff um, because we were really leery, especially with Snapchat, because you can have those messages that disappear and a whole bunch of stuff going on. I remember one time, not to get too personal with his business, but where he, um, we had to take it away for a year because we had to make sure that he was responsible, but he was posting like, you know, what school he went to, where he at. And I'm like, nah, like, you know, with sex trafficking and stuff like that going on and all that, I didn't like it personally. And, um, I didn't think that you needed to be doing all that at 14 at the the time he was, I think freshman year, he was 14 and we took it away until he really understood like how to use social media and be, you know, kind of responsible on social media. But that shit is scary. But I also wonder, like just me saying that, why do people let their kids, like I see we were, we were somewhere and it was a kid like eight, seven on, you know, Instagram, like with his own Instagram and all that. Like, why are people letting their kids on social media that early? So I'm, I'm a, uh, Instagram user. I follow a, a lot of different people on social media. I also am a mother. I have two boys, a three and a seven year old. And so my son just to kind of piggyback a little bit. He does Roblox and Fortnite, but it's about monitoring those things. And so we do the best that we can, you know, we can't police every little thing, but we try to make sure that games are what they are supposed to be for him, which is a game. But to go back to young people with Instagrams, some of those people, depending on who you're following, that's that's being monetized. Like the, some of these families are out here making money. They are doing reviews for companies. And so I can totally get that. But if you have a kid that's just kind of on there and they're kind of following in behind what other students are doing or what their fellow classmates are doing, you know, again, like she said, just it's just about 
monitoring these social media platforms. We have to not be naive as parents that this is the time that our kids are living in. We didn't have social media. Mm -hmm. What were we told to do? Go outside and play. And that's what we did until the streetlights came on. That was the number one rule. Don't let the streetlight beat you home. And so kids are not outside because they're so engaged in social media. The screen time that these kids are allowed are ridiculous. And actually that can increase just kind of like kids' emotional instability, like the more screen well, time I, they have. I, be I believe it, though. And then also I feel like it goes into um... – how so many, you know, like when you see some of these little girls, like, you know, when they start trying to figure out what is beautiful and how is beauty defined, I think that a lot of social media has a lot to do with that because they see, you know, I, I was having this conversation last night with my kid. Um, our power went out, y'all. So we, we had nothing but time to talk. And, um, but we were, um, we were sitting here talking and I was just saying, it's crazy to me that you see kids like 17, 18 graduate high school asking for, you know, to get their lips done or asking for some kind of, you know, plastic surgery when you haven't even come into your woman body yet or your, or your, or your man body yet. And you have kids that's actually doing work on their body as teenagers. And, you know, you, you don't look nothing like yourself as a teen, you know, you, a little bit, but you haven't come into your adult body. And so I think it's crazy when, um, you see more and more of that, but I, but it's mainly because they're on social media and they're seeing all these celebrities and socialites and things like that. And so it can be really, it can be really scary. I think all of that affects their mental health. It does because as a child, they're still developing. And so they don't possess the social maturity that's needed to make informed, smart decisions. And so that's where we, as educators because when you when, when you send your child to school that's my responsibility to make sure that they are safe and then as parents to make sure that we are monitoring those things and that we are having appropriate discussions about what safety on the internet looks like we just literally had to have this discussion last week because a student brought a laptop to me where another student was saying some very inappropriate things about a particular student that they did not care for. They were not uh, aware that once they post something on a laptop that is district owned, that is not just on that laptop. It goes to everybody in the district. And so this video had already went to everybody in the district. And it wasn't just one, it was several. And so really it's about educating not just our parents, but educating our students and our kids on, on the implications and the consequences that comes along with being so free to share information on social media. So how do you think that parents can work on their children's mental health um, at home? The best thing a, a parent can do for their child is to have an open and positive relationship. A child should feel safe at home. Home should be a place where a child can literally fail and it's okay. I can understand, even though my kids are young, but because the exposure to certain things that you are not ready to talk to your kids about are, are happening at a young age to sit down and just be open and have those conversations with them, you know, sit down and find out where's that coming from. So not just a simple, how was your day? It's more like a, well, who made you smile today? Who did you eat with at lunch? What did y'all talk about? Did, what did your teacher say to you today? Getting very specific uh, questions, but questions that are open-ended, that leaves them to be free when they talk to you. Also, just being educated. 
so it's it, I can I can understand it being hard for a parent to talk to a kid if they're not sure what it is they're about to talk to them about. Right. And so when it comes to like suicide, just knowing what that looks like, what are the symptoms so that when when you're in the presence of your child, you can pick up on it immediately. And and some of those things are a decrease in activities that they used to like. So if you know your child loves to read or they like to go swimming or they play football and you say, hey, you want to go outside today or or let's go to practice and they're like, nah, I'm good. That's that's um, one little red flag right there. If they start to become, um, if they start to isolate themselves and they want to spend a lot of time in their room and that's not normal for them, that's another red flag. Uh, if they are starting to talk about personal things that they like and and where they're going to leave them and who they're going to leave them to, those are indicators that they may have contemplated or they're thinking about um, harming themselves. And then just what to do when it happens. I will never forget when I do an interview for a student, part of my protocol is that I have to notify a parent. And it's hard for parents to hear that phone call, especially parents in the black community. And I'll never forget, I had a parent as I was letting her know, you know, I know you don't want to get this call. It's not a great thing, but it's not a bad thing because your, your child at that moment felt comfortable to share with me that that's how they was feeling. And her response was, wait till we get home. I'm going to whoop your ass. And so that's really not... Wow. Huh, it, it really, it just... It kind of hurts my soul because I'm very passionate about my kids and I will I will advocate for them to to the death. And I had to tell that mom, I this is not the way you want to respond to a child when they are hurting. And so for parents, it's really just about being educated and then you'll figure out, you know, you know your child best than anybody else. And so you'll figure out what that conversation is supposed to look like between the two of you. But the best thing you can do for your kid when it comes to you thinking that they may have some mental health issues is to make sure that the environment is safe and they feel open to share. And when they do that, then that's when you can seek uh, assistance. I think also to, um, what I see a lot, um, you see sometimes, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, like I, I've seen where I've talked to people and they've said that their kid is struggling or something, but I feel like the parent is like embarrassed from their kid, like having like a mental health issue, like as if it's their fault or, or they did something wrong. And a lot of times they shy away from getting them the help they need because they're, because they're thinking about themselves instead of fully thinking about the child. You ever seen that? Yeah. And, and like I said, it depends. Um, I mostly work with African-American children and, you know, there is a stigma tied to mental health and seeking out assistance when there's a problem. And I want to piggyback just a little bit. There are some other things that parents can do. Your kids can be involved in extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. Make sure that they have people that they feel like they can trust and talk to because you may not be there at that moment. So who can they go to that's extended family, like a teacher that they've built a relationship with or a coach? Let me also go into the next question because you're about to go into what I was going to ask you next anyway. Um, why do you think there's a neg- negative stigma in the black community in regards to therapy? 
Well, I can only speak for myself. I mean, growing up, you kind of touched on it earlier about keeping things in-house. Um, I'm not sure. I think I should have asked my mom because I, I definitely was parented um, by a, a, a mother who definitely felt like whatever we were going through, that's what we're going through. I've never quite stood the um, why it was such an issue. I think it's because folks do not want to be labeled as crazy. And I've heard my mom use that term. And, you know, whatever that looks like for African-American folks, they don't want anything to do with it. Um, I think also from the standpoint of, not to cut you off, from the standpoint of, like, maybe people just, uh, I think it's almost like you fear what you don't understand. And so you don't have an understanding of it. And so, you know, I've, I've had that plenty in my family been like, you know, growing up, you'll hear, Oh, you know, something wrong with him. Or, you know, you kind of have whispers of things that no one ever, you know, never had a name. You know, I didn't know what depression and anxiety was, you know, it was always just, you know, something wrong or, you know, something like that. And like, where you don't really think anything of it growing up, you're just kind of like, well, you know, something wrong with him. And you kind of leave it at that. It's like a lack of education, I feel like, was when I was younger, was there. And also just embarrassment towards um, any kind of mental health issues, what I kind of saw. The other big thing, and I don't want to go too deep into this, but we've always been told to pray. And that's fine. I believe in a higher power. But there's nothing wrong with being able to pray and seek assistance before a long time that's all that people felt like they needed to do so like you said there might have been whispers well you know something wrong with them oh well you know we just gonna pray about it right right it needs to be a combination of both i think for a long time people felt like that's all they had was was you know prayer and god and so that's what they leaned on and sometimes people feel like well if you and this is you know i always tell you i'm a loose christian you know so I believe in prayer and all that. And, you know, I do that, but also I believe in, you know, doing the other work as well on top of the prayer. And so, but a lot of times people feel like that they can just pray and go to God and that, and that's it because they're so strong in their belief as to, you know, what it is they have going on. But if you have somebody that's in here deep in depression, you know, you might need other tools and ways to pull you out of that depression. Um, and that this subject right here that we just got into, um, is far reaching. I feel like we can talk, we can have a whole episode just about this one thing. So I don't want to go too deep in it too, because it is, it is far reaching. And that is very much, um, I think that's a strong, uh, um, point as to why it's kind of like a stigma because, you know, when you look at the black community, you know, it's, it's entrenched in Christianity. It's been that way basically since slavery. So I also want to bring up another point that I've experienced as as far as just going to a provider. So when we think about seeking assistance, right? I think, or I, I used to think, well, it, it should be easy. It's like if you have a boo-boo and you call your PCP and you schedule an appointment with your, your primary care physician and boom, you at the doctor. So why can't we treat our mental health like we would treat our physical health but what i'm finding out is that even when you go and get your physical health assessed i've been questioned as if my pain wasn't valid enough 
And typically we tend to see um, my PCP is a male white provider. And so let's think about people who are not as vocal. Like I'm assertive. Right. And I think that's what helps me um, with the position that I'm in and the passion that I have and what I've chose to do is that I'm, I'm not backing down, especially when I have to advocate for a child. So when it comes to advocating for myself, I don't have those issues. But there are a lot of people out here in the black community that do. And so I could see that being difficult to go advocate for your mental health when you have providers that are challenging you. When you go to the doctor and you say, hey, this is what's going on with me. And they're they're challenging you like, I don't believe you. So I feel like that's another thing too. just getting uh, um, finding a provider that is willing to listen to what you have to say and then really diving in and looking into the root of what's what's going on with you so i'm in agreement with with you when it comes to that but i think but the only thing about it if i was to play devil's advocate i feel like but if you don't know like if you haven't been educated to where you under have an understanding of like um mental health and you know struggles that you may have with it well how would you know how to advocate for yourself that's a good question i mean people know their bodies better than anybody and so when you you know what your norm looks like and when you're off that's what you start with you don't have to go into the doctor's office and say well you know i've been crying for three days straight i haven't been hanging out with my friends and i don't do things that that i used to like to do i think i have depression you just go in there and state the bait the facts this is how i've been feeling this is how long i've been feeling like that and i really feel like something is wrong with me can you help Okay, I think that's good advice. And also, um, when it comes to, just a piggyback on what Shantae said, when it comes to just finding you a, a provider, um, I always tell people, you if you feel like you didn't get what you need from a therapist or something like that, then that, might, that therapist just might not be the therapist for you, but don't give up. Just, you know, you might need to look for um, a, a different one until you get exactly, you know, what it is that you feel like you need. Um, so my next question is, do you think that it's beginning to change as far as like the stigmas with this new newer generation and um I, I asked that question because you see more initiatives where people are talking more openly about mental health you see more celebrities speak about how what the, they had to do in regards to their mental health i wear t-shirts and sweatshirts all the time talking about uh you know mental health and being an advocate um for it but i feel like you see more and more now more um uh, people speaking out in regards to their struggles I do think it's getting better. I think um, having celebrities using their platform to bring light to mental health issues, especially in the black community, is great. And I need you guys to keep doing that because there are kids, there are teenagers out here that are looking up to you guys. Use that platform for good. They It's something about you that they see and that they like. And so I'm all for people who are working for the greater good and then you have the platform that dr joy created which is therapy for black girls um she has a wonderful podcast and a directory so you can always go on her website or on her instagram page and find all her info where there are therapists that look like you and sound like you and that's not to say that every like like you were saying every therapist that you run into knows your specific plight 
but you do have some commonalities and some things that you share that hopefully will make it easier for you to open up, even if it's not just yourself, but you for you to find ther- uh, a therapist for your kids. We are we are very needed in this community, and so we're out there, you guys. There are African American therapists, and we're out here trying to serve um, everybody, but specifically, at least for me, um, my little black and brown boys and girls. And so I definitely think um, mental health and the black community and the awareness that that celebrities and just everyday people um, are bringing, I, I think it's great. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like, you know, that's what it's going to take to kind of stop some of the negative stigmas and really kind of bring more um, education in the forefront. Um, Was there anything else you want to talk about in regards to the subject? We're about to wrap up here. Okay. Well, I hope that uh, this interview really helped bring some things to light and just really start um, and to create conversation. You know, any times that I have a moment where I can, you know, create conversation and we can continue conversation that's um you know my goal when it comes to this podcast um we uh plan to have a lot more of this um throughout this year um i really want to try to build and uh, go into more um bringing some of these um subjects into light i want to give shantae um first i want to thank her so much for coming here and recording with me today but i also want to give her a chance to pub anything that you want to pub right now as far as your practices social medias and so give everybody your info where they can find you okay so you can find me on twitter at miss m r s b t h e s c um that's where you can find me on twitter so miss b the sc you can find my practice press p-r-e-s-s play p-l-a-y counseling on facebook i do have a facebook page or you can go directly to my website www.pressplaycounseling.com i also have my own podcast on anchor called in the car and that is distributed amongst other platforms like spotify google play apple you can find me on there and then i do have another podcast with some older episodes one in particular called 13 reasons why and that's directly talking about teenage suicide and how you can talk to your children about suicide and she may link that specific episode in her show notes but the name of that podcast is called talk aloud and so if you're listening and you do have something that you want me to talk about on anchor i can be reached at shante s-h-a-n-t-a at pressplaycounseling.com that's my email or you can email me at talkaloud at gmail.com all right well thank you so much and so for me you know where you can find me and you can find me on Twitter is at IJMT podcast. Um, my Instagram is, it's just my thoughts underscore podcast. And I also have an email that I'm going to start using. I think last time I gave my email, I actually gave the wrong email y'all. So you have to bear with me for a moment so I can pull that up because I always have so much shit going on. Um, and my email is. Okay. Let me pull it up here is ijmtpodcast at gmail so if you have any questions or you want to reach me um, that's a direct way and you can also reach me on my social media as well Um, let me know um, how you feel about this episode you can leave feedback you can like subscribe you can find me on apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud 
uh, Stitcher as well. So I thank you so much for listening today. It's Mika here and I appreciate you.